Hey guys, it's another time with Warrior Within, and this week I just want to get a little real with you guys. I mean, I've been sharing about a lot of what I've been, what God's been kind of wanting me to say to you guys and stuff about what it means to be a man of God and just the, the idea behind what it means to live a life that is godly, that's you know, walking in integrity, you know, standing upright. But, you know, I want to share a little bit of what I've kind of gone through, you know, the things that I, I've battled through my life to be, have a better understanding of what it means to be a man myself. I mean, to share, you know, I was brought up in a Christian family. Um, both my parents were brought up in New York City and both my parents accepted Christ when they were around 14, 15 years old. And they were brought up Catholic. So, you know, they had that battle where, you know, if you don't go to Catholic church, you don't do what the Catholics do, then you basically go to hell. I mean, that's just the gist of all that. So when they discovered that, hey, you know, Jesus died for you, he saved your life, all you have to do is repent from all your sins and he'll become your savior, they were just kind of blown away. So through that, their testimony, the way they lived, and then leaving the city because of the environment that they were in, which was, you know, alcoholics, abusers, drug addicts, gangs, stuff like that. They didn't want to start a family that way. So God plucked them out of New York City and they ended up living in New Jersey for a time. They lived in Oklahoma for a time. Um, and then eventually New York, where my sister and I were born, is where they started their family. So I was brought up in a Christian family, except Christ when I was like eight. And for the longest time, my mindset was that I had to do good works or do the right thing, and then I won't get punished by God. It's kind of interesting being brought up in a Christian family, knowing that Christ, you know, being told that Christ died for you, that, you know, all you do is repent. But, you know, being a young kid growing up, you still kind of get your perspectives in the way you live. I mean, all of us have to you know when we grow up we, we, we kind of learn different things in our mindset thinking that it's truth but later on when god reveals himself we find out it's not so for a long time and especially throughout high school i thought the reason why bad things were happening to me was because god just kind of was punishing me for things that i did do even though i wasn't the type of guy like i i can tell you this i wasn't the guy who was looking to sleep with girls i wasn't the type of guy who wanted to look at pornography i wasn't the type of guy who was running around you know uh getting in trouble or doing drugs i mean i can tell you this there's that commercial where it talks about how uh by i think high school 97% or something like that or 98% of kids have been offered drugs or in and alcohol by the time they're in high school and I could tell you this I was the top 2-3% whatever it was where I never got offered any of that I mean it could be that by the time middle school uh, God quits my parents when we lived in New Jersey for 5 years um to put us in a Christian school, which technically a lot of times we kind of think is like amazing because you're in a Christian school, but in reality it was kind of like being in public school, but with Christian 
teachers and, and overall people around you, the, but the students were pretty much just what you would meet in a public school. So it wasn't really that much of a huge difference. Uh, what did help me because I was bullied up until fourth grade quite a bit. Um, that school did help me not feel less than what I was feeling. Like I was starting to get pretty bitter and angry and, and felt that felt that I was getting attacked purposely so much so that it was affecting my self-esteem. I mean, there was a, there was a time, and this is being real with you guys. There was a time when I remember fourth grade, the public school I was going to, where I was bullied almost every single day by the same group of guys who, because I, you know, I was really into sports. I was playing basketball, I played street basketball. So <clears throat> when I played with these guys, they, you know, they were playing the Patsy basketball type stuff and I was pretty aggressive and eventually told me that I couldn't play because I was too aggressive and so I also discovered football while moving in New Jersey actually it's kind of interesting I never knew what football was until I was about 10 years old yeah it's very interesting anyway uh, I was also into football and I, and I remember this one time where I said you know I can't wait to be able to play football I'll be excited and the three guys that bullied me the most uh, I remember the one guy's name was Bobby and he turned around and he says with a body like that being big and all that you won't be able to do worth a lick of football like big boys like you don't go anywhere I remember him saying that to me and he turned around they gave him a high five and he left and I remember that statement you know, for years and that really I really felt like worthless and I remember from that point I would sit by myself at lunch and I would cry by myself and I would eat food by myself and I remember this one day where like six girls and these were like the most popular girls in my grade level came up to me and they saw that I was sitting there and I was crying they were like well, what's the matter and I said I'm I'm just tired of being bullied and I've just been sitting over here because no one likes me and they said that's not true and they made the effort of almost every single lunch to sit with me. And I thought that was really cool. But they did ask me, like, well, who's bullying you? And I didn't want to say anything because the three girls that were asking were dating the three guys that were bullying me. So after I told them who it was, all three of those girls dumped th those three guys. And they made the effort, those three girls made the effort to walk me to every class. They sat with me in every class and uh, were there, you know, showing that type of, like, you could say love. They showed love. So the idea is that God, even during that time, he, he knew how dark I was getting inside and how hurt I was. And he brought in these people, these young ladies to uh, uplift me. So that, that was the beginning of the change because the next year I went to a private school which was Bethel and there I, I learned to have confidence in my sports ability that's when my desire for football became heavy and I was really good at it and I played street football in my neighborhood but then you know we played it at you know in gym time and I would just destroy people <laughs> but the idea is that I also did track I did basketball and you know I, I it was like God took me out of something that he knew was going to hurt me and put me somewhere else to help me grow more. But the big change came when we moved out to Colorado. I, I went to a school that was a Baptist school 
and they had football, eight-man football out here is what we did. And I got to play every game pretty much. I lettered every year. I became, I was a running back at first, but then I became a fullback. But in eight-man football, a fullback is not like NFL fullbacks. So, I mean, NFL fullbacks sometimes get to run the football, but I got to run the football a lot. So, I was basically like a, a, a Jerome Bennis or a big running back, basically. And it was really cool because if I were to tell you who, what running back I mirrored or wanted to be more alike was actually Barry Sanders. Um, my second favorite is actually Terrell Davis. So when we moved out to Colorado, I fell in love with the Broncos as well. Um, especially got to watch, you know, John Elway get his Super Bowls. I got to, I, I love Terrell Davis. I, I, every time I got a chance to watch him, I enjoyed it. But the thing is, I, I loved football and that helped me a lot it, that the coach we had at faith was an awesome coach he was kind of old school when it came to the like you know the movies where you see those coaches that really are tough you know what i mean and he emphasized god heavily in football heavily leadership he emphasized the men being men in our group in fact one of the things that we did was every single day before school we would actually pray young men you know high school junior high to high school uh we would meet at the in the coach's office and we would just pray for the school pray for the city pray for the country we pray for uh every, every game that we had played no matter what sport it was at the time the idea was we were praying for men to be changed and it was really cool because in the beginning wasn't as many but as time went we had 25 guys trying to get into this office sitting in the hallway just outside and just praying see the thing is that the idea is guys that if a bunch of young men can do that why is it that we older men can't do that why aren't we seeing our men at churches sitting and 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 praying together before church why don't we see these men coming out on, on during the week and just praying over the church or praying together as men, you know, coming in a coffee shop and just praying for their families, praying for the, the church, praying for the community, praying for the government, praying for our president. Why, why don't we see that? Why is that not more often, I should say? Because the truth is, I know men do that. And I know that some churches have men that meet and pray. But remember, these are young men. These aren't these, these aren't men who are married. These aren't men who uh, have jobs or anything. These are young men. We're talking 7th, 8th, you know, 12th grade young guys that were coming together and praying. That means, you know, they, they weren't pastors. They weren't uh, educators of a, of a college with a master's program. These are young men who recognize the need to honor God. So... That was a huge impact for me for those four years of high school. Now, when I got to go to college, I did go to a four-year college for one year before I went to a uh, community college here in Colorado. And there, I had to learn something about God that I did not know. See, I was brought up in the, you know this Christian school for four years. I got taught a lot of knowledge. And this is where I find that a lot of times 
people think with a lot of knowledge means that you have a better understanding of God. No, that's not true. Technically, that would be more of a lie because you could know everything about somebody but don't know. I mean, think about how a lot of the younger people, especially today, that are really huge in media that follow like the Kardashians or some rapper or this actor, they may know everything about them. But if they were to meet them one on one, they don't know. Why? Because they've never had the opportunity to spend time with them. Okay. So here's the thing is I went to this co- this college and the dean or actually, sorry, the president of the school, he was over about 900, and, 900 to 1,000 students. He actually, because I actually worked for the landscaping group for the school, but he actually made the time to talk to me. And not only that, but about a couple of weeks later, he asked how I was doing and remembered our conversation. Now, you got to understand, this man is busy. He, he's not sitting there thinking about me 24-7, but the fact that he remembered our conversation was a huge impact. The second thing is he he preached. He had an opportunity to speak to us. And one of the things he asked, it was a question, and I'm going to ask you guys this. If Jesus was not in heaven, would you still want to go to heaven? You see, the thing is, guys, I think a lot of times we focus so much on what heaven is or the goal of getting to heaven more than our goal to get to know Christ. Because what he emphasized after that was we have the knowledge of chasing after what we see as righteous, righteous, good, and holy. But we forget about the relationship with Christ that we're supposed to have. See, the idea is that we should be excited to be able to see Jesus when we get to heaven. It's not about trying to get to heaven. This, this, this simple mindset is one of the main reasons why we have a lot of young people to even a lot of Christians today who just see going to heaven as kind of fire insurance. So that, you know, they accepted Christ as their savior. Now they don't have to worry about going to hell, but it doesn't mean I have to actually live like we're supposed to, which is why we have less people who understand the scriptures, less people who read the scriptures, less people who want to pray. It's why we have compromising where we accept homosexuality as okay, where we uh, say that it's okay to, to live with somebody, even though you're not married because you love each other and you've made consentment to be with each other. It's, it's why we have, well, you know, if I get drunk, that's okay because Christ already said it, you know, they already saved me. When, when in reality, all three of those are in scripture saying, don't do. In scriptures, it tells you that God despises homosexuality as a sin. Despises. Okay. He calls it many other things because it's not the design of marriage. It's between a man and a woman, period. He emphasizes that. Since the beginning of Genesis, he emphasizes that. Secondly, living with somebody and not being married is as equal as lusting after somebody when you're not supposed to. Because you are not married to them. Because being married means you're one with them. Okay? And having sex with them, you become one with them. And so if you break up, it's breaking up a vow between you and that person. That's why he doesn't want us to be running around having sex with anybody. It's a lustful desire. 
And if you're doing it with a woman or a, well, a woman who is married, it's called adultery. There is something for it. It's called adultery, and it's evil and it's wrong. And then the third thing, um, getting drunk or even doing drugs, it tells you not to harm your body. I mean, literally, it tells you in the New Testament, Paul says that your body is a living temple. So don't do that. It even talks about do not drink over excessively or getting yourself drunk. Okay. Because when you're drunk, you can't think because it's, you're controlled by the alcohol. Okay. It does not say you can't drink because I have no problem people drinking. I just have a problem people getting drunk. Okay. So the idea is guys that, you know, I wasn't that I wasn't a partier. I didn't, I didn't drink until I was like 24, 25. Um, I never tried smoking, never tried any drugs. And literally my life after, you know, Faith Baptist um, was I went to this Christian school, college for one year. Uh, I, this, this man, this, this president really helped me to understand that I had a lot of knowledge of what I was not supposed to do. You know, a lot of standards and, and systems I'm not supposed to follow. But I wasn't in a relationship with him. Because the thing is, what I did not understand was what Christ gave me to think about, which is in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. And even after it says, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. It will be healing to your, your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So the idea is, guys... I trusted that he saved me, but I didn't trust him in my life. I spent so much time focusing on basically I had to figure out what to be or how to do things. You know, my, you know, what I was going to be because like by this time I didn't do college football because I got my knee pretty badly hurt my senior year on purpose by another player who was trying to break my leg basically. And they, uh, even after that, they kept trying to twist my knee and try to hurt it more. And uh, my adrenaline was so high that I didn't feel the pain, but it did ruin, it did ruin my leg pretty bad. And I did not want to tear my ACL because it still even bothers me today. But anyway, that experience, that one year helped me understand this one thought. All the knowledge in the world means nothing if I don't know him. And since I didn't really know him, and I'm not talking about salvation, I'm talking about the relationship with Christ, I couldn't trust him fully on everything because I thought I had to figure it all out. So trusting the Lord with all your heart meant everything that you do, everything that includes dating, choosing a college, choosing the job, choosing a direction for the job through schooling that you're going through. That means trusting him with finances, trusting him getting a car, trusting him in the house you're going to get or the rent, renting a, a good place for you, um, your health, trusting him in every little aspect of your life because he cares about it. He cares about you. He cares about every moment of your life. There's not a part of your life he does not care about. He's not only focused on your, your religious uh, perspective, your theology and your philosophy. He cares about you as a person. And because of this understanding also made me better understand why me being angry in high school about things happening to me, I also understood better that it's because we live in a sinful world that does not have 
it out for me to do well. Sin doesn't want to help me. Sin wants to destroy me. The enemy, Satan and his cohorts, are out to destroy you. They're not out to help you. But they will do everything possible to make you feel better and feel comfortable. You see, guys, after that time, God showed me a bunch of other verses to help. Like, it was really interesting how he always had verses for me in different parts of my, my battles in life. And then as I got into some... Uh, CCM type music because beforehand I only listened to hymnal because of Faith Baptist standards, but that's another story to talk about. But I got I got into more CCM and he brought in music to help me understand things. See, the thing is, I started chasing after the relationship over chasing after the knowledge. That's why I think one of the challenges today that I see in a lot of men and sometimes in the bigger churches more than I do in smaller churches, but I see a lot of men take on the idea that an education, educated man is a stronger and better Christian man than one who's not have an education behind it. So in other words, having bachelors and masters and doctorates, you are a more theologically sound person than someone who doesn't. And in fact, I hear people say, well, I want to get, I want to have a better understanding of, of the Christianity and theology and, and God. So I'm going to go get a master's in this. I'm going to go get some, you know, certification in this because they think that going to, an education like that, like a college, that they're going to have a better understanding about who Christ is. That's not what God had in mind when he thought of that. And that's something that I think is the challenge of getting through men and even women is that it doesn't matter how much education you get, it doesn't make you a better Christian. It's the understanding of just understanding Christianity that gives you the understanding. So studying it yourself and learning, praying with God and spending time with them, being with other believers and growing together. But it's also surrendering your complete life into his hands. That means every aspect. Don't hold back. Even if you have addictions and struggles, even if it's a hard time, even though you have a disease that could kill you in any moment, even if you could die tomorrow, the idea is that surrendering every aspect of your life, God will bless that. So understand that blessings will come and so will hardships. But the idea is that you have a relationship with Christ. It's, it's just like a relationship between your hu- husband and wife or even brother and sister or mom and dad. You trust your parents that, you know, even the hardships, they'll help you through whatever hardship you're going through. You also understand when you're married that you and your wife will work together to figure out how to get through the hardship together. You be there for one another. That's the idea. Christ has made that promise. He's not human. So he doesn't think like a human. He thinks like our savior. You and I don't have to sit there and hope that he's going to take care of us or help us. He will. It doesn't mean he's going to take us and pluck us out of the issues. Sometimes he could do that. But most of the time he may not because he's going to use our life and our struggles to build us into the man. And if any woman are listening into the woman that you're supposed to be. Because if, you, if you're going to run around knowing what's going to happen to you, then why would you want to trust in God? You see, God doesn't give us our whole picture of our life because he needs us to understand that trusting in him is to trust even un, uh, the unknowing that's going to come before us. You know, it, it could be super scary. It could be 
amazing. It could be blessings. It can be the worst situations. It could be someone dying. It could be someone being healed. It, it, you don't know what our future is other than what is promised in scripture. And that is why he gives us some is because there is something that we can look forward to. So the whole idea of this message, guys, is to understand that trust is something that you have to live out. It's something that's going to happen all the time. It's not something once you trust, then it's easy. No, you got to continue growing in your relationship with Christ. You got to continue to spend time in his work. You got to continue to find the connection with other believers. That's why it's so important to not think. To, to not, the, the most important thing is to not think that not going to church and thinking you can get it all by yourself is the right thing. It also means not communicating with other believers and spending time and talking about Christ. You need to do it. You need to have that fellowship and connection with other believers. You know, I will be honest with you right now. I don't have a church I'm really a part of because my hope is to start my own church. If anything, if you guys are listening to this, pray over that. Pray that God will put the pieces together. I already have people I've asked who I want to help help me build this church and most of them have said yes so far but the thing is I have I, I know God wants me to do this but I don't know how it's going to happen it's the unknown that I have right now I don't know how we're going to get to this town in, you know, called Mount Rose in Colorado I don't know how we're going to get the funding to take care of ourselves out there and I don't know how we're going to get the funding to start the church but I, all I know is that God has put that in my heart and I need that prayer, and it's all about trusting in Him during this time. He will make clear every path as He feels to share. I don't, the thing is, we're not entitled to have the answers that we want. He gives us what He need, what He thinks we need in the moment, and that's trusting in Him. So guys, you know, that that's just a little bit of my life, uh, even not, it's not even fully the full story of my life, which I may share at another point, but this is just the beginning of my, especially my young life into my, my early twenties, what God really showed me about trusting in him. And even after this college experience, you know, my community college was different. And then later on when I, when I, all I wanted to do was get a full-time job and do church on the side different story too so God and every part of my journey gave me something I need to learn but today guys I'm going to leave us with a prayer you know that you have a better understanding what it means to have a relationship with him and a trust in him Dearly Father, I thank you so much for who you are how powerful you are and how clear you could be and I pray that you will put a blessing in every ear that hears this podcast that they be revealed to understand what it means to trust in you, but also what it means to have a relationship with you. I pray that you open their hearts and their minds to the idea that it's not about the knowledge, it's about the relationship with you. I pray if anybody is struggling right now with trusting in you because it just seems like everything is always bad all the time, that you give them blessings, you give them understanding, that you give them clarity, that they'll be able to see how you are moving in their life. Because to be honest, Lord, you are doing things even in the hardships, and we just focus so much on the storm. Help help anybody who's listening to this today 
that if the storm is just so overwhelming that you would be able to put your hand through there so they could see that you were there and that you could pull them out of the storm so they could breathe in your arms. I pray, Lord, right now that you would transform anybody today who doesn't know you as Savior, that they have an understanding that it's not about the knowledge, it's about accepting you as Jesus Christ, as the Savior of their life. I ask that they repent and they turn from anything that they're doing, that they may go to you and say, Jesus, please be my Savior and forgive me of my sins. Today, Lord, move people, transform these men to be leaders and transform them into men who want to do more because they can trust in you, not knowing what's going to happen in the future, but knowing that they have a a Christ that loves them, that God, you will help them through any hardship. And then you would mold them into the man that you need him to be. I thank you for all that you are in Jesus name. Amen.